This is a special edition of the Law Enforcement Today show, broadcasting from Washington, D.C. at the Federation for American Immigration Reform's annual Hold Their Feet to the Fire Radio Row event. I'm one of about 70 radio shows here, and we're doing it from the top floor overlooking the U.S. Capitol building outdoors, so you hear background noise, you hear traffic noise, you hear lots of people in the background, and we are here talking about the American immigration crisis, the border crisis, how people are impacted by it, so enjoy the special episode of the Law Enforcement Today show. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. If you enjoy the Law Enforcement Today podcast, do me a big favor. Tell a friend. And if you're able, if you've got a few moments, leave an honest review and rating. But most importantly, tell a friend or two or three. Coming to you from the Federation for American Immigration Reform's Hold Their Feet to the Fire Radio Row event. We are broadcasting outdoors on the 8th floor of 400 East Capitol Street. This is where places like Fox News, NBC, CNN, C-SPAN are. They do their coverage. As a matter of fact, we can see the Capitol building from across the street. So you're likely to hear some outdoor noise, some traffic, all that stuff. I've got lots of great guests. Joining us right now, Sheriff Scott Jenkins from Culpeper, Virginia, an area near and dear to my heart. I don't realize I was grew up in a Navy family, spent most of my life in Norfolk, Virginia, which I know they don't claim in Culpeper, but it is part of Virginia. And I went to high school in Richmond, Virginia. Sheriff Jenkins, thanks for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Glad to be here. One of the things that I really want to do with this show is give a real-life behind-the-look glimpse behind the badge, so to speak, as the overturn use of what life is like for law enforcement. And one of the, the groups that's least understood are our sheriffs. Granted, it's a political position. You have to run for office every so years, so you have to play the political game. But that doesn't mean your, your emphasis is away from law enforcement and public safety. How difficult is it nowadays for you as a sheriff in Culpeper and your deputies to do their jobs? Honestly, I think the office of sheriff, uh, my particular uh, position, is I think the greatest law enforcement uh, position you can hold because uh, we're seeing quite clear from the last year's activities in Virginia and across the nation, um, not uh, in any way disparaging, but I, w- I want to just call attention to the difference in a police chief, superintendent of state police, federal, you know, FBI, DEA, and others. Very different. Yes. Sheriffs are the only ones not appointed to their position. Exactly. They're the only law enforcement in the nation that is elected by the people, answerable only to the people and the Constitution and laws we enforce. That's it. And the average citizen really doesn't understand the difference. And the difference is... I point to last year, in the middle of a city burning in Richmond, a group of people, a city council and mayor, who have no law enforcement training or experience can remove the police chief as the city burns, and then 11 days later, when they don't like that one, because again, the replacement is trying to enforce the law, shockingly, um, and they remove him as well. So 
we saw it across the country where chiefs of police were removed because they weren't going to cow down to the, the leadership who appointed them and do their job. They, they, they chose to do their job and they were removed or threatened with removal if they didn't stand back and literally watch their cities burn, people be assaulted, even, even killed, um, buildings burn, police precincts overtaken. You didn't see that happen with a sheriff handling the law enforcement right. in those jurisdictions. Now, again, I'm not disparaging any of those chiefs or others, the, the good officers doing the work. I'll do that from I, time I, to time. I'm, just, I'm, I'm simply pointing out the fact that that sheriff in any of those counties, he wouldn't, would not be answerable to anyone and would move forward and force the laws, quell the riot, and move through without standing back literally for hours or days watching destruction and breaking the laws because... They don't want the action. They want to give certain groups. The boss and sheriff is the people who elected them. Yes. And, and that's the way it should be. See, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize your police chiefs, for example, they're appointed by the mayors or the executive branch of local government or state government. Yes. Same with federal. And what people do is they say, oh, look, it was a street cop who's at fault. Let's, let's defund the police. And they totally take out of the equation the marching orders that came from the mayor or the executive branch of government to the police chief, to his or her hand-picked admin staff, and it goes downhill. And, and America needs to really wake up right now and pay attention. Those who are not connected to law enforcement and really don't understand the difference, they need to know there is a movement to take away the authorities and powers vested in sheriffs and, and move toward having them appointed and not elected. Because if we look right now, and, and I don't care what side of the aisle you've, you've fall on, but Republican or Democrat, look at our border. Let's stop for just a second and I'll just say, you know, is there anyone out there listening that doesn't know of a fentanyl death in their community that occurred in the last few years? I don't know. I don't know, know of, any, I don't know of any, any area. So the fentanyl, over 90% crosses through the southern border. We know that. It's a fact. Now, we have a president who for the last seven or eight months has chosen to have a border wide open. And as recently as last week, attacked the good men and women of, of the Border Patrol openly enough to basically say, you know, he, he wanted their heads, that the fact that something didn't happen, a false narrative over some men on horseback, um, why is that happening? Ask yourself why these things are happening. They are intending to have the same Ferguson effect occur with our Border Patrol and, and yep. federal law enforcement because that chilling effect that is going to naturally happen with those officers, those good people that put their lives on the line, it's, it's naturally going to happen. Now, why else, knowing the facts, knowing that it was completely false, would you see the Al Sharptons and, and, and the like flying in quickly to give their speeches and get their, their 15 minutes of fame with a narrative that's completely false? And why would the president claim something that he that you cannot say he didn't know? There's no way he wasn't briefed by the head of the Border Patrol or one of the secretaries around him on what really happened and that there were no whips, that there were no this or that. It's completely false. Those men were just simply trying to stop the movement across that river. They were doing their job. Exactly. Here's the thing I, I, I say is politicians and news media created that scenario in Texas. Mm -hmm. And what they did to deflect blame and their responsibility is they went after the Border Patrol for something they did not do. Yes. And, and across, it makes me furious. And across our nation, all we're hearing is this rhetoric that we've hear, heard since last year about we need civilian review boards, we need this, we need that, we need to rein in law enforcement, take away qualified immunity, and so forth. So what's, what's the goal with all that? Ask yourself. You don't have to be in law enforcement to understand we want civilian review boards instituted across the board, especially in Virginia. It's been a big push by the legislature and the governor. Well, the ultimate review board 
is sheriffs. Right. We, have, we, are, we are reviewed every four years by the people elected us. And if they don't agree with what we're doing, the platform or what we've chosen to do, they remove us. When the country was founded, we didn't have police chiefs in town and city police or state police. We had sheriffs. Right. But eventually, there came a time when these cities and towns decided, just like we're seeing now, hundreds of years later, where cities of liberal leadership said, you know, we can't control that sheriff. And we're going to just fund and budget and hire our own police force that will be under our phone. And from there, we move forward to today. And, and again, not disparaging the, the men and women who wear those badges. It's just the nature of the beast, what they serve because of the appointment of that leadership. They have no choice. They are stuck in those positions, just like the president oversees and appoints the leaders of the federal law enforcement. Uh, we're seeing it unfold every day. That will be a catastrophe if we see the office of sheriff across the nation weakened and state by state we see them change from elected to appointed. And there is a movement to do so. And, and it's primarily in the, uh, the northwest part of the United States where they're yes. really actively trying yes. to get rid of elected sheriffs. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue moving. And I believe they want them appointed by the governor. They do. And, and different states have different plans, but they want to take away that, that authority to, because the sheriffs can be your last line of defense. They're also the first... I hate to put it this way. In some communities in the United States, in Baltimore, for example, you couldn't call the police commissioner. Mm -hmm. You couldn't call the mayor, but you can call the local street cop, the, the person who handled patrol on your post. And you got to know them on a first name basis. And we try to solve their problems. In the rural areas where we have sheriff's departments and elected sheriff, if you have an issue in your community, guess who you call? You call the sheriff. Now, you may not get the sheriff, but you get someone high up, and the sheriff's going to find out about it. We are talking with Sheriff uh, Jenkins from Culpeper, Virginia. This is Law Enforcement Day coming to you from the Federation for American Immigration Reforms Hold Their Feet to the Fire Radio Row event. We're broadcasting from the eighth floor overlooking the Capitol building. So you hear some outside noise. When we return to the Law Enforcement Day show, we got a lot more to talk about regarding public safety, challenges to law enforcement, and the southern border. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Missed an episode of Law Enforcement Today? You don't have to anymore because now you can listen to it on Podopolo, the free new app that makes listening anytime, anywhere so easy. Catch up on shows you've missed and chat with John J. Wiley right there, too. Download for free on the Apple or Google Play stores. That's Podopolo. And John J. Wiley wants to hear from you inside Podopolo. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click like and follow. That's click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio radio show on Facebook. Return to our conversation with Sheriff Scott Jenkins from Culpeper, Virginia. And he is the sheriff of Culpeper County, Virginia. And he's also part of the advisory board of Protect America Now. He's a career law enforcement officer, proudly served uh, as sheriff of Culpeper County, Virginia since 2012. The Second Amendment Sheriff. We talked about that earlier. And by the way, my hat's off to you. I love what you're doing, and, and thank you for your service in law enforcement. One of the, the big things that I know from every sheriff's department, every police department, I don't know about the fed, federal agencies as much, especially the, the ABC agencies, but recruiting and retaining people is a real issue. It's real hard. 
uh, I know I interviewed a long time Sheriff Tim Cameron from St. Mary's County, Maryland, and he said, I think it costs about, if I remember correct, about $116,000 to get one recruit trained and on the road. And they have a hard time keeping them three years. How difficult is it for you? Well, um, I l I'm very pleased to say that it's not as difficult for me nearly as hard as it is for so many other uh, police chiefs and sheriffs across Virginia. I've been very fortunate, and, and I would tip my hat to you know the actions in the last year bringing certain things to light, kind of what we were just talking about previous before the break. When it comes to things such as your First Amendment right, whether it's someone wanting to shut down at the local level church meetings that we're guaranteed to be able to, to conduct uh, with the freedom we've, we all have, a sheriff can be that person that stops that overreach. And Second Amendment, as you mentioned as well, was, was an area that brought attention to me last year as well. It was just me simply looking at the law and understanding, you know, the Constitution it says what it says and what's the most I can do for the citizens who elected me. And uh, that's what I saw needed to be done. Uh, not every sheriff may agree or maybe none, but, uh, but that was one thing that uh, I could simply step forward and do to protect that Second Amendment right of the citizens. And I say that because that argument that people may give, well, who's a sheriff? Uh, what right do they have to interpret the Constitution? I would simply point south of me a few counties to Caroline County uh, in the 60s. Uh, Supreme Court case. It was the late 50s when it occurred. The sheriff sitting there at that time chose to allow deputies to go out and make an arrest on a, on a law that he knew was unconstitutional. Uh, well over 100 years before, there had been a war fought over things like that, and uh, that all men are created equal. But a white male had married a black female, and he allowed his deputies to arrest him, and it ended up in Supreme Court about 10 years later. Now, did we really need to have that arrest made to have that case? I mean, it's good that we, we finally aired it out in court and got a final decision, I guess, but the sheriff could have stopped it, just, yep. just as I have, whether it's stopping church meetings because of, of uh, a mask or a gathering mandate that, you know, they say they can't gather, uh, or the, the protection of the Second Amendment. These are things that at the local level, that local sheriff can be that last line of defense, that stopgap that stops the overreach. And again, as I said before, not faulting uh, state police, superintendents, chiefs of police, any of those fine men in Virginia. By the way, you do a great I, job of saying that. Well, thank you. I, 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 I consider them my best friend. I mean, they are. literally, They're the superintendent of the, the state police in Virginia, I think the world of him. I've known him my entire career. The chief of police in my town is, is someone I've known all my career. They're great officers that I love to work with every day. I can't say enough about them. Um, and I'm sure the other sheriffs around the state feel the same about their local police agencies. But I, I can't stress enough the fact that, you know, we have to stop and look for a moment. As you mentioned, the recruiting, that was the question. Uh, why are people coming in droves to my small agency with the low pay that we have compared to a Prince William, Fairfax or others? Well, it's simple. Soros money got prosecutors elected in Fairfax and Prince William, and they are literally headhunting those good men and women wearing the badges of Fairfax and Prince William every day. And those good people, many of them live and, and commute in from Culpeper and other counties, and they are they are stepping away from long careers and coming to smaller agencies like mine because they, they realize the dangers they're facing today because of the climate we're in. And people have to stand up because they're watching, they're law enforcement, the rule of law as a whole is being, it's just been eroded. They, they they every day see this further and further overreach and yet no one's stepping up and saying enough's enough. 
So, you know, like with the Office of Sheriff, I, as you mentioned earlier, Protect America Now, that's a, a pack that I'm involved with. Uh, Mark Lamb out of Arizona mm-hmm. uh, began that uh, earlier this year. We're a group of us are on the, the advisory board that are uh, looking to, to help sheriffs across the country that are constitutionally minded, constitutional-based sheriffs that want to stand and uphold the, the rule of law and the Constitution in their counties and, and follow the same values and, and direction we see we must as a nation right now to, to protect all to protect all of our, our country. Our southern border is wide open. Um, we're, our goal is to support and elect and, and re-elect sheriffs of that nature all across the country and, and if there are others who are, uh, who are not upholding the law, the Constitution as they take an oath to, then we want to replace those people. We want to get good people in that office that will stand for their citizens. We had a great saying, and we said it quite often to each other, is, you know, I'll back you up. It doesn't matter what's going on. If it's a worst case scenario, I'll be there with you. And if we need to go down in a pile of casings, I will. However, I'm not going to jail for something somebody else does. And if you come into this occupation with corruption or you want to violate people's rights, no one I knew, including myself, would stand for that. We all know that you have bad moments, bad days. And yeah, you get guidance, you get counseling. Sometimes there's other disciplines that's going to be involved. But there seems to be an attitude in the American media in particular and politicians that we are overrun by corrupt ruthless law enforcement officers and that's the furthest thing from the truth it hasn't been that way here's the funny thing sheriff when i was a rookie police in 1980 my squad had gays lesbians jews muslims every walk of life you can imagine and no one cared no one cared but you will listen to the news nowadays and they paint us with a totally different brush and i get so aggravated about it does that really make you angry it does but we know in my small community for example we know we have enormous support from from the citizens it, it is not what's being portrayed in the liberal media and i'll just say that if ever there's a time in this country where we need every american to realize how important law enforcement is to them every day in their life it's since this administration opened the border wide open stop and think a tiny small place an hour drive out of dc a bedroom community from northern virginia in culpepper we're a small community but uh, just last week you know we took a, a kilo of meth from a Jalisco cartel member in, and then it never and, used to happen and it, well they, they don't read about it as a thing because right. these cases they, they you know they, they go long term uh, involve a lot of other people the, the average person in my county or counties across Virginia have no clue that the Mexican drug cartels are operating across Virginia and, and across the country they don't realize that when they come across that border they are coming to every county in the country every county is a border county and the America needs to wake up and realize the dangers we're facing if we had a, a, the president step forward today and said all border, uh, all customs and TSA agents are being removed, furloughed today at all airports from Boston, New York, D.C., all the way to Miami. Every citizen would stop and go, why? Why is he doing this? Yeah. And, and they would be alarmed. Now, why aren't they thinking the same thing when he did exactly that to our southern border? He has neutered. The Border Patrol completely left our border wide open. When you have 15,000 Haitians in one spot, you know, they do that for a reason so that the cartels can move through other areas more Absolutely. freely. And what is 
just coming across. It's 20 years since 9-11, and we are, we are destined to have some catastrophe because of what we're doing every day at the federal level with this administration and, and allowing the border to be wide open. Sheriff Jenkins, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. We definitely have to have you as a call-in guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. Again, thank you so very much. Enjoy your time here in D.C. Thank you, sir. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.